I'm not allowed to talk about my needs. What needs? Did, did I say that? You didn't have to say it, it's implied. How is it implied? You're the artist and I'm the girlfriend. That's how you feel, right? I feel bad that you feel bad about me feeling bad about you feeling bad about what I said about what you said about me not being able to share a feeling. Can we talk about this later, please? When, Jonathan? When is later? Not tonight. If I thought that what you thought was that I hadn't thought about sharing my thoughts, then my reaction to your reaction to my reaction would have been more revealing. I have been rehearsing all day. I have been up since four this morning. I have been trying to write a song for a week, and I am nowhere. I was wrong to say you were wrong to say I was wrong about you being wrong when you rang to say that the ring was a wrong thing to bring. If I meant what I said when I said rings bored me. I don't know how to get through to you anymore. You keep shutting me out. You keep putting up these fences. I'm not. I'm not shutting you out. You're a million miles away all the time. Actually, I'm right here. Are you, Jonathan? I've been distracted, but I promise you, after the workshop, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... After the workshop. After the workshop. What about me? I feel bad that you feel bad about me feeling bad about you feeling bad about what I said about what you said about me not being able to share a feeling. I guess I just... I wanted you to tell me not to go. Because this is the first time you've ever said it. All right, everybody stand up. We're going to sing that song together. No, I'm just kidding. I thought you thought we thought we, but I, I can't get it. That's from a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom. Came out on Netflix over uh, Christmas break. I'm not somebody who actively seeks out musicals, but that one just tapped my toes all winter break. And I can't get it out of my head. And if you YouTube it and watch it enough, you will not be able to get it out of your head. My name is Danny. I'm a pastor here at Hope Ames. I'm so glad that Kairos is back. Are you glad Kairos is back? Come on. Are you glad to be back in the link? I, man, it has been a long time. Okay, well, October, we had one night in here. But it's been a long time since we've been able to regularly meet in here, and I'm so glad that we get to do that this semester. We believe it's no accident that you're here. We've been praying for you. Whatever happened over Christmas break, well, it happened. But this semester is going to be amazing, and I'm so glad that we get to spend it together. We're kicking off a brand new series tonight. It's called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Who here knows that relationships can be difficult? Yeah, we know that relationships can be difficult. Sometimes they're not emotionally healthy. In that clip, you saw a romantic relationship that wasn't working out because they were having struggle, struggles with their communication. Romantic relationships can be difficult, but it can be any kind of relationship, right? Family relationships can be difficult, right? Family relationships, I heard somebody one time say that families are like fudge, it's mostly sweet, but there's always a few nuts. And if you're thinking to yourself, there's no there are no nuts in my family, you are the nuts, you know? It can be complicated, it can be so complicated. 
on Facebook, back in the day, it was a big deal to become Facebook official with somebody. One of the options that you had in your relationship status on Facebook, and they still have it today, is I'm in a complicated relationship. And then on your status or on your profile, it would say, it's complicated with blank. I mean, really, Jennifer, is it that complicated? You know, is it? Yes, the answer is it is. In fact, I think if we were all being honest, every single one of us, about every single one of our relationships, we might say, it's complicated. It can be complicated in our friendships, too. You ever have this happen? You're getting closer with a new friend, a friend that you met at college, a friend that's not from home, and you haven't used this word yet, but suddenly you're introducing them to someone new, and you say, this is my best friend, Joe. And they look at you, and you look at them, they say, did you just say the B word? And you say, yeah, I just said the B word. It's like, am I your B word? And you're like, yes, you're my B word. You're my B word too. What do you think I'm talking about? Best. Best friend. You said best. It changed. It's awkward now. It's different. It can be complicated. Even sometimes like the uh, less personal relationships in our life can be extremely complicated. Like your relationship with teachers, with professors, with classmates. I saw one professor who posted a dictionary of slang terms that his students was using so that he would be that his students were using so that he'd be able to understand them better so he could have better relationships. My personal favorite one on here is uh, is uh, I'm dead, which just means that was amusing. I love that. Mad mad, big mad, very mad. Jams, an enjoyable song. I didn't know what John meant. Did anybody know what John meant? A thing, object, person, or place? Okay, some of you guys did. Okay, okay. Right on. A hardo is a tryhard. Got a blast. That's Jimmy Neutron language right there. Got a blast. Yeah, he said that, right? I, I think he did. Okay. Man, we, we really invest in our relationships. We try. We do our best, but they can be complicated. They can be so hard and challenging. Relationships are very important, and when they get difficult, what do we do? Do we just back out of them? I don't think that's good for us. Research says that it's not good for us either. According to a study by BYU, it found that having bad relationships in your life, a lack of quality, healthy relationships in your life, is the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's crazy. There's another psychologist out there who said that, your, that, that healthy relationships in your life is the uttermost important thing in your life to have a satisfactory experience in your life. It's good for your physical health. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your psychological health. What you might be surprised about is that it's also so important for your spiritual health, for your spiritual and your emotional health. And Jesus talks about this. Jesus said this when somebody asked him, what's the most important thing that a person can do in order to honor God? They worded it in a different way. They said, what's the most important law? The purpose of the law is to honor God and to live a life that honors and pleases God. And the life that honors and pleases God is a life that you are intended to live, a life that's good for you and a life that's good for the people around you. And Jesus responded with this. The most important thing that you can do with your life is to love the Lord your God. And he finished that by saying, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, this is the most important thing that you can do. And he said, but the second most important thing you can do is equally important. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, everything that the Bible talks about, everything that the scriptures and the prophets and the laws point to, points to this, love God and love others. Everybody say, love God. God. Now turn to the person next to you and say, love others. Now turn to that person next to you again and say, love me. me. (laughs) Jesus told you to. 
Jesus said so. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, when it's talking about true maturity, like real emotional and spiritual health in your life, it says, lead a life worthy of your calling, the life that God called you to. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Be united. According to the Bible, according to Jesus, loving God and loving other people are inseparable from one another. To know and love God will mean that you naturally know and love the people around you. And when you know and love the people around you, you will be able to better love God and know God. These things are inseparable. And that's why we're starting this series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It's not just because we want you to have a good experience in your relationships and relatability with one another. We want your heart and your soul to be alive, to live a life worthy of its calling, I want you to experience emotionally healthy relationships because it's going to grow you closer with the people around you and it's going to grow you closer with your creator too. And tonight we're talking about clear expectations and because we're talking about clear expectations, I want to make sure I'm really clear about what we're going to do over the next several weeks. Next five Wednesdays, the next four weeks in between those Wednesdays, we're going to provide some resources and materials for you and I really, really hope that you take advantage of these. And at the end of this month, I think that you'll look back and realize, I think that I grew in my ability to know and love people. And in that, I found that I know and I love God better too. So here's what we're going to do. Hopefully, when you walked in, you saw a bookmark on your chair. And uh, if you didn't get one, that's fine. But before you leave, make sure that you get one. Every single week when you come to Kairos, you will get one of these. And uh, every single week when you come to Kairos, that was me waving off. I don't need what, what I, yeah. If anybody's like, thank <laughs> You know what you shouldn't do if you're trying to be low-key? Stand in front of everyone with a microphone and do this. No, I'm good. Anyway, so you'll get a bookmark every single week that you come to Kairos. And on this bookmark, there are five scripture readings. Five times a week, we invite you to dive into the Bible. These passages will take you no longer than like two minutes to read. And then at the bottom of this, there's a QR code. You can scan that with your phone, or you can go to the link in our bio. If you want to find anything about Kairos, go to the link in our bio. And you can find daily devotionals there. And every single day, we'll have a devotional that lines up with one of these passages. Because loving other people means that we're loving God. Loving God and loving other people are inseparable from one another. So we're diving into God's word. We're loving God. We're knowing God. But in the process, we don't just isolate ourselves in that moment, in that study of scripture. But instead, it should draw us closer to one another too. So as you're doing this every single week, I also encourage you to do something else. This is going to be really informal, really simple, really low commitment, but I believe extremely high reward. I want you to think of one to three friends that you can meet with, that you come to Kairos with every single week. Maybe you meet over dinner at some point throughout the week. Maybe you meet over a walk. Maybe you meet over a study break, whatever it might be. But meet with them once a week for 30 to 60 minutes. And also on this QR code, it'll take you to a discussion guide. It'll just have some really simple, easy, thought-provoking questions that will allow you to discuss and think about and consider, how is God growing me in my relationships with the people around me and my relationships with him? How is God growing me in my capacity to have emotionally healthy relationships? I really believe that God's going to call us, or that God's going to grow us closer to one another, that God's going to grow us closer to him through this process. Please take advantage of this. Please get together in those groups. We really, really want you to grow in your relationships. We want them to grow in healthy ways. Like I said, tonight, we're starting off with clear expectations. 
There are five things that we've found in the Bible, and it's not limited to five, but there are five things that we are going to point out over the next month that we believe the Bible highlights as things that can really help us develop emotionally healthy relationships. And one of them is having clear expectations. Expectations are nice. Expectations are especially nice when they're clear, but we struggle with expectations, don't we? If you're at an expectation that just was not met and you were utterly disappointed, so there's a show that's also on Netflix, and it's called Nailed It. Has anybody ever seen this? It's incredible. So on Nailed It, basically, they take Pinterest recipe ideas, and then basic people, like non-chefs, non-bakers, have to try to make that thing. It seems simple when you see the picture on the left. You see the pig that's just chilling in the mud, but then you try to do it, and it looks less than appetizing, right? Here's another example. We've got a unicorn on one side, where it's like, okay, this should be really simple. But on the other side, it's just two poor eyes begging for mercy, right? (laughs) Expectation meets reality. Another expectation, you've got Rapunzel. And on the other side, it's just what I look like when I wake up in the morning, right? (laughs) Expectation meets reality. I think that this show is a metaphor for our lives. Expectations meet reality, and it's not always pretty. When I go to the pool and I try to swim laps, I think that I look like this, but in all of reality, I actually look like this. When I think that I am flirting with my wife, I expect that she sees me like this, but the truth is she sees me like this. (laughs) Expectation meets reality. Expectations are sometimes hard to meet. So what do you do? when expectations aren't met. Man, it's one thing when you don't meet the expectation, it's fun to laugh about it, but it is another thing when you've set an expectation for someone else and they don't meet it. If you have roommates, if you live in a place where there is a sink and you use dishes, I do not know that there is a thing in the world that has caused more fights than dishes in the sink. Some of you are looking at your roommates right now and like, I hate you. You're the worst person. I don't know why we're friends. My wife and I, my wife is truly my favorite person in the world. My favorite person. We have had the most animated discussions over dishes in the sink. I don't even know why. It's because we have expectations about them and sometimes I fail to meet those expectations. So what do you do when someone doesn't meet your expectations about the dishes in the sink? You know, when it's our fault, like when we've not met the expectation, right? It's really easy to blame it on the circumstance. Well, I didn't clean the dishes in the sink because I was busy, because I had homework, because I have to wake up early in the morning. But if they didn't do the dishes, it's because they are a morally failed character and they ought to be excommunicated from the university. Why are you here? Right? (laughs) Easy. I mean, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. But when we make the mistake, when we don't meet the expectation, we can easily blame it on circumstances. But when the person in front of us doesn't meet the expectation, we blame it on their character. We blame it on them. We go from having expectations to holding on to judgment. You heard about this in the Bible reading tonight, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says very clearly, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Now, from a distance, that's really nice. We say, this is why people loved Jesus, right? I mean, like, don't judge people. We hate judgment. When we hear the word judge today, we oftentimes think about bad things. We think about condescension. We think about arrogance. We think about punishment. But when Jesus is talking about judgment, what is he talking about? 
Jesus never said that you can't have expectations. By saying, don't judge other people, Jesus is actually making an expectation. I expect you not to judge people. But there's a difference between an expectation and a judgment. Jesus is telling us, you are not in the place to judge. The biblical understanding of judge and of judgment is not negative. It's actually very positive, but it's only reserved for one perfect judge or whomever that judge declares is worthy of making a judgment. In the Bible, a judge is someone who only seeks justice. A judge is someone who understands the situation perfectly. A judge is someone who's gone into the minds and the hearts of a person and understood what their motives were, what their reasonings were for making the decision that they made. And Jesus is saying there is one person in the universe who is capable of sitting in that seat. And it's not you. It's not me, that's for sure. I do not belong in the seat of judgment. See, a judge has a power that I do not hold. A judge can read a mind. A judge can read a heart. And the Bible's clear about this. Have you ever read the the verses in the Bible that say, no sorcery, no witchcraft, no mind reading? And we think, okay, well, yeah, don't do that because it's spooky. It's not just because it's spooky. I don't think it actually has anything to do with it being spooky. It's because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to pretend like you have the power to mind read, like you can actually judge people. Because when you pretend like you have that power and you start to convince people that you have that power, you are claiming power that's not yours. You're making decisions that are not yours to make. You're pretending like you are worthy to sit in the seat of the judge, and you're just not. And the reason is because you were not created to read minds. You were not created to read hearts. But there is a good judge. There is a just judge. There is a perfect judge who sits in that seat. God's the one who's able to carry that kind of power, that kind of weight, There is someone who knows your mind, who knows your heart, and still seeks justice for you. I don't belong in that seat, but the creator of this universe does. And the good news is that the creator of this universe sits in the seat of judgment with grace in his heart. Jesus says, you're no judge. In fact, he makes this pretty comical. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own, now I just want you to picture that, right? Like, imagine you complaining about a speck in somebody's eye, and you literally have a tree growing under your face, right? Like, Jesus is funny. You know, he's a comic. Stand up. It's hilarious. People are rolling. But really think about it. Like, my goodness, I've got these things in my life that I refuse to acknowledge, right? It was the circumstances fault that I didn't meet the expectation. And Jesus says, look closer. I think sometimes when someone doesn't meet our expectation, we are tempted to judge them. And what we really need to think about is, who really failed in this situation? Did that person fail? Or did my expectation fail? Did the person fail, or was the expectation just unhealthy? Did the person fail, or was the the expectation just something that shouldn't have been set? Was the expectation just a log in my eye? I want to be so, so practical about this. So I'm going to list off four different unhealthy expectations that oftentimes cause cause brokenness in our relationships. 
The first form of an unhealthy expectation is an unconscious expectation. Turn to the person next to you and say, unconscious. Unconscious is another one of those slang words that I think today like, means a good thing. Like, man, I was so unconscious. Well, maybe that's not a good thing. I'm thinking about like when somebody's like shooting lights out like in a basketball game. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're unconscious. Whatever. I'm, you guys, you don't understand how hip and with it I am. An unconscious expectation is an expectation that you don't even know that you have until you've been disappointed by it. An unconscious expectation does not even realize that you wanted someone else to do the dishes. An unconscious expectation develops because you grew up in a home where you just were never expected to do the dishes. They just magically went back in the, in the cabinets like, whoa, this is incredible, they're clean. And then the dishes pile up in the sink and you're angry and you're frustrated. You didn't even know that you had the expectation that somebody else would do it. But you're just mad. It's like you stubbed your toe on something that you didn't see coming. There's an unconscious expectation. Then there's an unreasonable expectation. Turn to the person next to you and say, unreasonable. Unreasonable Unreasonable expectations are the kinds of expectations that tell someone to do something that they're not capable of or something that doesn't belong to them. An unreasonable expectation would, would be you looking at your roommate and saying, you have to do the dishes every single time and I want you to wash my dishes twice. Unreasonable. There's unconscious and there's unreasonable. Another unhealthy expectation is unspoken. Turn to the person next to you and go, get it? Because they're unspoken. Turn to the person next to you and say unspoken. Man, I got those jokes. An unspoken expectation is a conscious expectation, and it might even be reasonable, but you never actually said it. I mean, you've been doing the dishes every other week, and you're wondering why on every other week your roommate isn't doing the dishes. Well, maybe you never spoke about it. And then the final unhealthy expectation is an unagreed-upon expectation. Turn to the person next to you say, unagreed-upon. Unagreed-upon expectations are, it's pretty simple. It's you never agreed to it. And it's holding someone to something that they never agreed to. You have to do that. I I never said I would do it. We never agreed to it. So let's look again at Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Maybe when someone doesn't meet our expectation, it's because the expectations that we set were like a log in our own eye. I mean, they were really unhealthy, really unfair. We need somebody to come and get that log out. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, you will need someone to come and help you get that log out of your eye. Now, there's a lot of different interpretations about what Jesus means about this. We can assume that the reason why he says you need someone to come help you get that out of your eye is because in those days, it wasn't common for people to have mirrors. They might have known generally what they looked like. They could have seen their face in a reflection or something that was glossed over. But mirrors were generally expensive, and most people didn't have them. So even if there was something small in your eye, You couldn't get it out on your own. Now, if something is small in your eye, what does it feel like to you? To you, it feels like a giant log, doesn't it? I mean, it will ruin your, even just the smallest little speck. You ever get something stuck between your contact and your eye? Oh! Some of you have perfect vision. Congratulations, you're genetic freaks. We're proud of you. It's amazing. But it will mess with your day. It will feel like you have a log in your eye. 
And Jesus is saying, you're going to need someone to come help you with that. But imagine if that person comes to you with a scalpel. I'm going to get it out of your eye. Please don't. Even if they came to you with tweezers. Whoa. I don't want that. Remember in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, be gentle and humble and patient and united. How are you handling the expectations with the people around you? I mean, I get it. Some people have unreasonable, unconscious, unagreed upon, unspoken expectations that they're putting on you. I get it. But some of us are projecting so many expectations on people around us, and we're running toward them with tweezers and with scalpels and say, let me have a stab at your eye. I'm going to help you. No, no. We're gentle. We're humble. We're patient. We only do it in a way that's going to bring us closer together. And so let's just simply take the uns off of those unhealthy expectations. And what does a healthy expectation look like? It's conscious. You know about it. It's realistic. You're being reasonable. It's spoken. You've said it out loud. And it's agreed upon. You've given the person the chance to evaluate it. So how are you approaching people with expectations? Do you feel like all of your expectations in life aren't being met? Are you so frustrated with the people in your life that you're starting to dismiss them? Are you wondering why the relationships in your life don't feel healthy? It might be because someone has put unhealthy expectations on you. And it also might be because you've put unhealthy expectations on someone else. Someone might be looking at you with a log in their eye, and you might be looking at someone with a log in their eye. We shouldn't judge. We can set expectations without judging. I do need to say this. Because the truth is, is there are expectations that we put on other people that are fair, that are conscious, that are realistic, that are spoken, that are agreed upon. And there are people who will not meet those expectations. And they will fail those expectations. And I want you to know, that's not your fault. It is not your fault if someone hurt you. You have a reasonable expectation for someone to not hurt you. It's not your fault if someone has abandoned you. It is reasonable. You ought to agree upon, everyone ought to agree upon consciously, deliberately, that we will not abandon and betray one another. Someone's lied to you or about you. It's not your fault. That is a realistic expectation that you should be able to have. There are going to be people who don't meet the reasonable expectations in our life. But there is a word of hope. We have the opportunity to transition, because sometimes like, we have to, if someone's not going to meet the expectation over and over and over again, eventually, what, we have no choice. I don't get to hold on to this expectation anymore. And so maybe you have to let go of the expectation, but you don't have to let go of hope. And sometimes we have to allow our expectations turn into a hope. No longer do I expect this out of someone. I hope it for them, but I don't expect it. There's freedom in that. The Bible tells us over and again, this is a little bit of a glimpse into tomorrow's daily devotional. You do not have to praise people for the bad things that they do. You do not have to befriend evil stuff. They also don't get to stop you. You also don't have to be influenced by them. And when we start to remember, when we start to realize that we are not influenced by the evil things in this world, but instead God is the one who is living through us so that we can influence the people who are touched by the evil things in this world, there is freedom. 
And suddenly, whether or not your expectation on someone was met or not, you can still have hope. But there is a difference between having hopes for someone and having hopes in someone. There's a major difference between having hopes for someone and having hopes in someone. You can have hope for someone without making them your hope. Because a lot of us start to crumble when the person who is our hope doesn't meet our expectation. Think about the most valuable thing in your life. Like the thing that you put most of your hope in. In this, in this chapter in Matthew, it also says, Jesus says, don't give your pearls. He's talking essentially about like a, 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 your greatest treasure. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you, right? Like, okay, probably wasn't the most reasonable thing in the world to expect the pig to handle the, the, the pearl, the, to handle, hand the pearl to the pig and expect the pig to be able to handle the pearl the way that a human should, right? Like, what are they going to do? Turn around and like, thank you. You know, like, they won't, right? No, they, like, they'll see him like, that's not food. And so they turn. They're like, oh, I see you. You're food. I'll, you know. Okay, so that's not reasonable, right? Essentially, don't put your treasure in something that doesn't have the ability to manage your treasure. A few chapters later, Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 13, and he talks about a treasure again. It says it's like heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything and he bought it. The pearl was his hope. Not everything else. The pearl was his hope. He had his treasure secure and he would do anything to find that treasure. He would do anything to secure that treasure. He would do anything to keep it, to, to have it in his life. The treasure was his hope. The pearl was his hope. And he wasn't about to let it be managed by somebody else. He was going to hold it close. And so my question for you tonight, Kairos, is where's your treasure? Where is your treasure? The Bible also tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your heart is, that's where your hope is. And the truth is, is that there are some people that just will not be able to manage our treasure, will they? And that hurts. And I'm sorry. This side of heaven, we don't live in perfection. We live in a world where there are broken relationships, where there are unmet expectations, where failures oftentimes surround us and failures oftentimes come out of us. But Jesus encourages us by the end of this chapter, right after this passage on not judging people about not setting unfair expectations, he says, don't think that your expectations won't be met forever. He says this about his father. He says, keep on asking him. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking at his door. Before the end of this verse here, he says, you know, parents, you, you give your, your children the best gifts that you can give them. If they ask for bread, would you give them a scorpion? If they ask for a scorpion, would you still give them a scorpion? No, you, you do your best to give them what they need. He says, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? The judge who seeks real justice. The judge who will properly manage your treasure. It was prophesied about Jesus, and then it was said in the book of Matthew, 
as he reflected over Jesus' life, he says, look at my servant. He will not crush the weakest reed. Maybe your expectation at this point, because of all the broken relationships that have been hurting you, it's just that someone wouldn't betray you. Someone wouldn't lie to you. Someone wouldn't abuse you. This judge is not a bad judge. This judge is not arrogant. This judge gives you justice. He is kind. He is humble. He is gentle. He will not crush the weakest reed. He will cause real justice to be victorious. Real justice to be victorious. All of your expectations, I'm talking about the realistic, reasonable, spoken, and unspoken. The re realistic, reasonable, spoken, agreed upon expectations. Yes, of course those will be met. But here's the best part. The expectations that you don't even know exist in your heart yet. The expectations that words could not do justice for. The expectations that God never had to agree to. The expectations that seem entirely unreasonable for the God of the universe to show up in our life and sell everything he has to call us his treasure. Even those expectations will be met too. And his name will be the hope of the world. He is your hope. Go ahead, continue to hope for other people, but always remember who your hope is in. Your hope is in Jesus. He will not only meet your expectations, he will surpass your wildest dreams. He will not hurt you, he will not betray you, he will not crush even the weakest reed. He will bring real justice to this world and he will be your hope. Amen. Let's stand on up and sing a song.